We've been talking about dreams and prophets in the Bible for the last uh, ten messages. And people have really enjoyed that all over the world. They are really learning, getting good comments from them uh, on YouTube and on discovertheword.com and discovertheword.drjim.com on sermon audio, etc. A lot of people claim to be inspired of God today. The Bible, when the Bible was completed, there was no more inspiration. It says that that the the gifts would cease. The gifts of interpretation, the gifts of uh, uh, prophecy, etc. The gift of uh, talking in languages to people that that you did not know their language. This all ceased. Now, the Bible has some pretty strict rules for people that are prophets, they say. The first thing the Bible says in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus talking to Peter and the church. He said, you're Peter, a little stone. But upon this rock, myself, I'll be founding my church and the gates of hell shall not wrestle her down. Not on Peter, but upon Jesus. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 18 through 20, we have what was called the Great Commission. And it says there, after you've been thrown out and cast out into the world, make disciples. How do you make disciples? Teaching the Bible. You make disciples, and what do you do with disciples? You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you teach them to guard with their lives all things that I have given unto you. And pay attention, it says there, I will be with you until the end of the age, and the end of the church age right over here. We're not at the end of the church age yet. We're close, I think. But way back over here, the church age began when the Lord called His church out there at the seashores of Galilee. The church was empowered on the day of Pentecost, and that's where they got the comforter, and that's where they received the inspiration for the Word of God. And in Matthew, or not Matthew, but 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, tells us that the prophets shall cease, that the interpretation shall cease, tongue shall cease, but that which we have today is faith, hope, and love. We have to trust in God. But so many prophets have come up. In the meanwhile, we had Constantine that, that was going to get ready to fight with his brother. He was going to uh, have a war with his brother over the Roman Empire. And Constantine that night supposedly saw in the sky a vision. And it says, by this conquer. And there was a cross, a fiery cross. You have heard that story. The next day, he put fiery crosses or crosses on all the shields of his men and on their clothes. And they went out there and he murdered his brother and threw him down in the river on a bridge and he won. Then he began, more than anything else, he said, well, his mother was a Christian. She believed in Christ. So he said, well, you know what? It would be a really good idea if I combined religion and the church and, and the empire. So he had and established what was called the, the Holy Roman Empire. He did conquer, didn't he? But what happened? He was, the first, he was actually the first pope in the Catholic Church in reality because they named him the Apostle of God and that everything he did was infallible. But they didn't have a pope in reality for another 300 years after that proclaimed. But the first really 
apostle in the Catholic Church was Constantine. And he called a council and, and some of the things that they did were okay. They did canonize the scriptures. They looked at the scriptures very closely, what books were uh, valid and what books were invalid. They did that. They defined the triune God, which was okay. But they also condemned Christians. And they began to persecute. And they began to conquer. And they began to go into areas. And they would take people out to the river. And by the way, the only form of baptism was immersion. Only immersion teaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Not sprinkling and not pouring. That when you are dipped in water all the way under the water, that's a type of burial. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is what it shows. Now, let's look in the Bible. This is this, there's more than this. There's several different places in the Bible talked about prophets. Now, many prophets have risen and fallen. Constantine. The popes, all the way down through, we could we could list all the popes. We can't go back any further than than Constantine, but we can list all the popes back to that. And every pope had a revelation from God. Every pope, they talk about continuous revelation, and that the pope and the Catholic Church is a defender of the faith and God's representatives on earth. The true churches of the Lord Jesus Christ are God's representatives on earth and the Catholic Church cannot prove that because they have gone contrary to the revealed word of God that we have. They persecuted people. They killed Christians. 50 to 100 million Christians were killed by Catholic Church. Now, Islam outruns them even though Islam didn't become until about 700 ADs, when we have here 670 AD was when, uh, or 570 AD was when Muhammad was born. By 620 something, we have Islam. And how did Islam, how did Islam expand its empire, conquering by the sword, just like Catholicism did? But all of these people now, Muhammad, Mary Ellen White, Joseph Smith. Charles says Russell and many of these other so-called prophets, modern-day prophets, what is a sign, what does the Bible say about that? Deuteronomy, the 13th chapter, and verse number 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, in other words, he performs a miracle. False prophets can perform miracles. Did you know that? Did Satan perform miracles? All you have to do is go back into the uh, palace of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus and find Janus and Jambres. They, they threw their rods down on the, on the floor of the Pharaoh's palace and they became dragons. Not snakes, but dragons. Not serpents, but dragons. Moses threw, or Aaron threw Moses' rod down there and it became a dragon. And God's dragon ate up the false dragons. They were real. They, uh, they, Satan made life. He produced life. He made form. He is a miracle worker. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams among, arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, 
Let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them. Now look at this. This is something else. If the dream comes true, if it comes true, even if it comes true, and it leads you astray from the established Word of God, lead us to go after other gods whom they have, we have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love Him. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Even if they do miracles. And you shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him. And you shall keep His commandments and listen to His voice and serve Him and cling to Him by His revealed will. That you already know. But the prophet of the dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because he has counseled a rebellion against the Lord your God. And every one of the false religions has counseled rebellion against the Lord our God. The church that Jesus built is not the churches that we see in the land. Many of them. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. To seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge evil from among you. It says here to take these people out and stone him, even if your own brother or sister does this, or your mother or father. If they take you away and try to lead you away from the true design will of God, it says, if your brother or your mother's son or your son or your daughter or your wife, you cherish your friend who is your own soul entice you secretly and by dreams and said, let us go and serve other gods or other religions that you neither or your fathers have known of the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you, or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other. You shall not yield to them or listen to them and your eyes shall not have pity upon them, nor shall you spare or conceal or hide them. But you shall surely kill them. Your hand shall be first against them, your own child, your own mother, your own father, to put them to death. And afterwards the hand of all the people, and you shall stone him to death because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. It also says, be careful. Do not listen to a prophet. If he prophesies and it does not come through, the test of a prophet, if he fails to test that prophet, you shall stone him. You shall stone him. Even if they perform miracles. Yes, Mom. Question. The Bible started to the his people that was with him. They start writing the Bible after how many years after Christ died? Because there was no Bible that time, right? There was Old Testament. The Old Testament. The Old Testament. 
And the Old Testament has many prophets in it. We've got basically 39 books in the Old Testament, 39 books from Genesis to Malachi. And every one of them agree on what is going, the Messiah that's going to come. Okay? And when Jesus preached, when Paul preached, most of the day preached from the Old Testament. So the Old Testament was start written before God born. Before the church. Before the church. The Old Testament was written before the church. Now we come here, the church now, if we lift this up, the church began when Jesus called it out from the seashores of Galilee. From the very time that Jesus called his church out, Judaism fought it. Judaism tried to kill those. They put a warrant out for Jesus' arrest and they put out a contract on his head. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they put a contract out on Jesus and they put a contract out on Lazarus. This is true. This is true. So the we, Old Testament has been written by the Israelis, by the Jews. By the Jewish. It was written to the Jews to by the prophets Jews. of God. And we ha you can go down through there in the Old Testament. You can look at all these prophets now. In the Catholic Bible, they have also the Apocrypha. If you go in the Old Testament, you'll... Let me get over here to that point. You got the book of Genesis. You got the book of Exodus. You got the book of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books were written by Moses. Okay? Now, in the last book, it says that Moses was the most humble man, and supposedly Moses is writing this. And it says Moses was the whole, most humble man, and God basically put him to death. And they said somebody else wrote that. I have no problem seeing Moses wrote it. Because he knew what God would do. God inspired him, inspired him to write the book. Why couldn't he write about his own death? Now, I don't have no problem with that. You have the Joshua, you have Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Now, from Joshua, Joshua through all the way through Second Chronicles, that's history. That's history saying what happened. It is inspired history, but it tells you what happened and how the kings rose, how God dealt with Israel. And then we have Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Job. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Job goes way back in, in time. Some people say that the book of Job goes all the way back to the right after the flood. Some people say that it was actually in Moses' time was written. Some people think it was even before the division of the earth and the division and the confusion of the languages. And many people believe that he lived in Abraham's time. But that's the oldest book in the Bible. The book of Genesis was not written before the book of Job. See, Moses, Moses lives here after the Egyptian bondage. We were just studying... Uh, we're talking about the dreams of Joseph. Joseph is over here. This is long before. It's 400 years before Moses. So what we have there and everything that's written in the book of Genesis, even about all the nations, God inspired Moses and told him what to write down there. How could one man have all that information in his head 
by him. I mean, he was an educated man in the in the in the schools of Pharaoh and and uh, Egyptian, but he wouldn't known all the genealogy that he wrote down. That's all inspired of God. God inspired him as he wrote it. God, he went two times up on Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments up there, the Law of God. Two times. The first time God carved all of the uh, carved the stones out of the rock and he wrote with his finger God's finger wrote on those tablets Moses took those tablets down and when he saw his own brother had made a a golden calf and they were dancing around it and and Aaron told them that this was Jehovah God that calf was Moses threw down the, the law and broke it and then he straightened them out and killed a bunch of them. Then he went back up on the mountain for another 40 days. And God and he took the tablets and he had to carve the tablets out. But God still wrote in his own handwriting the tablets of God. The law of God. Now, all from Genesis through Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Moses wrote all that. Okay. Now let's go back to the last that I was talking about, to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go to that one. Now this is the part of the book that they say that Moses couldn't have written, but I don't believe that. I think Moses could write the last chapter. Now Moses went up on the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, and I've been on that. I've been on this mountain where Moses was. To the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and then the Lord showed him all the land of Galilee as far as Dan, and all the Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, and the Negev and the plain and the valley of Jericho and the city of palm trees and as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, or descendants, and I will let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go in there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. According to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor but no man knows his burial place to this very day the day of the writing of this. I think Moses could have written this. I have no problem with that. If he could write everything to the front of the book of Genesis here I don't see how he couldn't write about his own prophecy about his own death. And although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. He was as strong as he was when he was 20. He's 120 years old. And so the sons of Israel wept over Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days, and then the days of weeping in the morning for Moses came to an end. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. So now Joshua takes the place of Moses. 
And we have the book of Joshua and, and, and how that Joshua went into the land and, and took Israel in the land. The son of Nun was filled with the spirit of the wisdom for Moses and had his hands on him and the sons of Israel listened to him and he did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then no prophet has, has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and all of his land and as for all the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Somebody else could have been inspired to write this but I think Moses could have done it. Moses could have done it. All right. We have the compilation of the Bible. That's what your question, Bob, is how do we get the Bible? Now, the Old Testament, we had the book. Now, if you go all the way to the book of Malachi, that's the last book in, uh, in the Old Testament. It's right before the book of Matthew. Now, one of the things that the book of Malachi says is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. Uh, what it is called El Shaddai over and over and over again and the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi the prophet Malachi 22 times Malachi calls Jesus El Shaddai the all powerful one I have loved you says the Lord but you say how have you loved us was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, and yet I love Jacob? I have hated Esau, and I have made his monster mountains a desolation, appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Now, in the last chapter of the book of Malachi, it says this. The Old Testament is finished. The king of Israel is sent. The promise of Genesis 3.15 where it says the seed of the woman shall conquer Satan is going to come about. For behold, for Malachi 4 and verse 1, for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be like shaft, and the day that is coming will be set ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Saviot. Now the full... Fulfillment of this won't happen until Revelation, the 19th chapter, where Jesus comes on that white horse and takes over everything. And that here is at this period of time right here. We're in the church age right now. And after the church age, there's a tribulation period to test the whole world and to bring Israel back to God. Israel is not God's people to this day. God owns them, but they hate the Messiah that God sent. It says, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise. The Son of Righteousness is Jesus. With healing in his wings, did he heal people? Yes, he did. This is prophecy when Jesus would come. The Son of Righteousness shall rise. I remember my grandmother. I lived in a little old 
tin-roofed shack, about 14 by 20 or something, 15 or something like that. wasn't very big with a dirt floor. My grandmother would come and wake me up in the morning. She said, Arise and shine, for the sun has risen. That's what she'd tell me. Arise and shine, for the sun has risen. Fear my mind. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip like calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked, and they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day which I am preparing, saith Jehovah Sabaoth. And remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinance which I commanded him in Mount Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I'm going to send Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. I'm going to send Elijah. And guess who Elijah was? John the Baptist. John the Baptist went out and proclaimed the day that Jehovah, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he looked at Jesus. And he baptized Jesus and he, and he, he said, I'm not worthy, worthy to untie your shoelaces. Jesus said, Just allow this to happen to fulfill all righteousness. Because he's the son of righteousness. Yeah? Behold, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. Some of Israel came. The leaders of Israel refused. They came down to John the Baptist one time and he said, You, sir, you children of Satan, who calls you to flee from the wrath of God? They'd come down or they'd listen to him and they'd conspire against him. And when he baptized Jesus and Jesus began to preach, they were on fire with hate and envy and jealousy. Restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Now he did. God, when Jesus was going to be crucified, what did Israel say to Pontius Pilate? Pontius Pilate, five times he said, I declare him innocent. Now, there's a little something else about that. When Jesus declared, or when Pilate declared Jesus innocent, according to the law of Moses, if a man was brought before a judge or the elders of the city, and a man prophesied or committed perjury against that man, whatever they charged that man with or whatever kind of crime he charged that man with, if the man was innocent, they had to go back and, and execute that punishment upon the false witness. What Pilate said here, you have brought this man before me and I find him innocent. You are guilty. And he said, I wash my hands of this man's guilt. And this, I wash my hands of this situation. And they said what? Let his blood be upon us and our children. And for 2,000 years it has been. All those Jews that died under Hitler's hand, they died under the curse of God. All the Jews that died in Jerusalem, when the, the 10th Roman Legion came against them and destroyed that and that Masada, all of those Jews... That was a hand in the curse of God. He killed them. 
They paid. They said, let his blood be upon us and our children. It has been. Every Holocaust. The Polish people, the Polish people that died, they were victims. The Jews called for judgment on their own heads. It did one thing. It caused them to want to go back to the land of Israel, Palestine, and establish a nation there. And all that hasn't been on the up and up. They've done a lot of scoundrelly things. I was in that land. I, I walked that land from one end of it to the other. I know the good and the bad. I had an Arab tell me one time, he said, it's good for the Jews to walk on the land. It produces. If the Jews set their footprint on it, it, it produces. We don't exactly like what they're doing, but it's good for them to be in the land because this land produces. God said it would. He blessed them that way. But they, as we look through church history and we look down through church history and the things that happen, here we have a false religion establishing its head Catholicism. The Holy Roman Empire, the Church Catholic. That's what Constantine called it. Before that, we have Christians. They were called Christians. They were called Paterines. They were called Nothanists and Novatians and Puritans and Paterines and Cathari. And the reason why they called them these names because they were pure. They had pure lives. You show me one Catholic Pope that lived a pure life. Or one priest in those monasteries. Or the poor nuns. In 1123 A.D., the Catholic Church declared that all of their priests would be celibate. They even said that St. Patrick, or Patrick of Ireland, was he started the first monasteries. No, he didn't start the first monasteries. He started the first seminaries. And what he taught was not what the Catholic Church taught, teaches at all. He was a Baptist. If you go to my website, you go on there, St. Patrick was a Baptist. Talk about Valentine. Valentine, when he died, when he lived. Valentine was a Baptist too. We see all of these people, you go read all these ancient histories and you see that the people that died, you can go look in a Catholic encyclopedia and, and, and look about Patrick. And you know what they'll say about Patrick? Patrick wasn't exactly like we are. He was a primitive Christian. You know what primitive, primitive Christians were? They were Baptists. <laughs> That's what primitive Christians were. And many of them died. You mean a Baptist church... Go back to the same time that Catholic organized. Well, there is no such thing as a cat. There is no such thing as the Baptist Church. Uh-huh. It's Baptist churches. There isn't one big church. See, all when you think about Catholicism, or you think about the Church of England, or you think about the Lutherans or the Presbyterians, you have a head, don't you? You have headquarters. Baptists don't have headquarters. Mm. Every church is a headquarters. Every church is an independent democracy. Every church. No church answers to any other church at all. But the Baptist church today... The Baptist churches, if they believe, you can trace what they believe all the way back to the seashores of Galilee. And they've always said they didn't like... And the reason why Baptists are called Baptists, you know how they got the name Baptists? you remember Maryland? Uh Uh-huh. 
the enemies gave, called themselves called them Baptists. They were called Anabaptists. Uh, Anabaptists. Anabaptist. You know what Anabaptist means? They they rebaptized people. Did you ever hear the term over there in Germany, Wiedertofer? Wiedertofer. The Wiedertofer. They were all over that country over there. The Wiedertofer were the Baptists. When Luther and Martin and Luther and and Calvin came upon, they were Anabaptists there. Luther and Calvin both persecuted Anabaptists. Luther, when he went into Germany, he, the, 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 the Baptists that were there, many of them became known as Mennonites and Amish. Luther went to them and he says, please don't stand against what I'm doing. They said, why don't you join us and become a Baptist? Why don't you become a weeder talker? He said, no, I don't want to go into your religion, but I want to reform the Catholic Church. He didn't want to leave the Catholic Church. He wanted to reform it. And that's what we call the Reformation. They wanted to reform the Catholic Church. Well, the, re the Catholic Church was not reformable. It had gone too far. But if you want to go back, just go back and join the people that have been here all the time. Go back and join them. They were called Anabaptists. And the word Anabaptist was a derogatory term. It was a term call, calling you like a, uh, uh, a bastard or something. Illegitimate. Because the Baptist churches, the Anabaptists, would not accept Luther's baptism, Calvin's baptism, or the Catholic Church baptism. Now the Catholic Church will accept ba Baptist baptism, but Baptists don't accept the Catholic Church baptism. That's why they were called Anabaptists, and later on then they just called them Baptists. They dropped Anna. The, the Catholic Church, you know, originally is a Christian, okay? Catholic, okay? How they have many other different groups now. There was a Franciscan, the, uh, what's that? Franciscan and the... Dominicans. Dominican. Yeah, there's all different kind of groups. Some priests started, or some bishop, or some archbishop, or some uh, whatever, they started those things. Mm. You know, one of the, the groups, I can't think of the name of it right now, he was a child molester, really terrible. He even, he had children, he, down in Mexico he had children, and uh, he even molested his children. And he was a horrible man, but he started a... I can't think of the name of that right now, of that group. But we'll go through there. I'm looking at a book, looking for a book over here someplace. I know it's up there. I believe it is. Uh, I've got to find it. And uh, I will go down to the, uh, the stages of how Catholicism... Of course, we can look at this, and we can see the hierarchy, how it was one church over the other. Uh, but the, cat, the word Catholic does not mean church. Catholic means universal. Yeah. And it meant that there was only one, and, and Constantine coined that term, he called it the, cath, the church Catholic, the church universal. In other words, there was one body, one head. And if you were a member, a member of the state, you were a member of the church also, that's why they baptized babies. That's why they had, and even back then they knew they knew that a person needed to believe and make a profession before they were baptized. And that's why we have godmothers and godfathers to make a profession for the child. 
But Baptists would never, uh, never baptize anybody unless they could make a profession and they were old enough to make a profession of faith. Now that might be 8, 10, 12, 13 years old. It might be as early as 7 years old. But they got to make and believe and ask the Lord to forgive them and believe in their heart and then they can ask the church and the church itself does the baptizing. They have the authority to baptize by the hands of the minister. This little church here has discovered the word missionary about the church. I was uh, more involved with the um, Dominicans. Dominican. Because my grandmother, grandfather, you know, they, uh, he was a uh, uh, engineer on railroad. Yes. And when he had retired, he used to go to the church physically and uh, build a stove, whatever thing to, to heat uh, the church. Yes. And I was a little kid, I remember, that took me in the winter yeah. in the snow, snow lands and all beyond there. So I was more involved with that. Not very far from further down on the road uh, in a city of, uh, called Sombatne, which was very close to the Austrian border. That was the um, Franciscans. Yes. So I know a little bit about the, about the Franciscans. Basically, I was more involved with the... Uh, yeah, the Dominicans and Franciscans and the order of uh, Opus Dei, I think it is. The guy that started that, and that the movie uh, uh, where they had the... Um, uh, the Da Vinci Code. The movie The Da Vinci Code that had Opus Dei there, that priest, you know, they were... They were flagellating themselves and, and putting uh, devices on to make them live in pain and stuff like that so they could suffer and become more like Christ. And if God doesn't want us to suffer and become more like Christ, Christ suffered for us. That's the difference between false religion and true religion. Jesus paid all of our costs. All we do is trust in Him. Catholicism, you got to do something to get to heaven. But in every, all of them, you got to do something to get to heaven. But the Bible says that Jesus did it all so we could get to heaven. He, he, he paid the cost. God paid the cost. We didn't pay the cost. Anyway, the, 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 I think it was the Opus Dei, I may say that correctly, uh, that was in the Da Vinci Code. That group is the one that that father founded that molested. Well, he had children, and then he molested his own children. He was a... A big man and that and the Catholic Church would never denounce what he did because he was very powerful and many of those uh, the Vatican is just full of homosexuality and child molesting it has been that way since 1123 AD and before that it was the same thing you look at the uh, there's movies out on the television that you can watch the the fathers, I mean the popes and the dynasties that they had, they murdered people. And they killed one another. They conquered in the lands. Uh, when, uh, when they built the Vatican, all of that was war. And wages and uh, spoils of war. And whatever they could con the people out of purgatory was one of the things that they would absolutely take lands from people they say your father, your child is in purgatory and we got to pray him out. There's no such thing as purgatory, but they invented it. And we find out when purgatory was invented. Purgatory was invented in the 700s. That's when they invented it. And that's when they were building all these things. 
that answer any of your questions that help you a little bit about so the Bible? It starts over there about 2000, right? It starts over here about 325 A.D. Now here we are all the way over here to 2000 yeah. and 20. You know, it's, it's, we're, it's almost 2,000 years since the birth, well, about 2,000 years since the birth of Christ, 2,000 years ago. He was, he was, uh, yeah, about 2,000, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, what, what we call the, the, the calendar, we got Gregorian calendar, whatever we go by today. Uh, actually, it's supposed to be a 1 BC is when Christ was born, but he actually was born not there. He was off about three or four years. So we're actually, it's been 2,000 years since his birth. Yeah. It's coming up pretty soon to be 2,000 years since his death. That, that we'll stop this one because it's getting a little bit. We got about 40 minutes already, so we'll stop this one and we'll start another one. Our Father, we thank you for the message from your Word and from history, the people that died for you, upholding your Word and your truths down to the ages between 50 and 100 million by Catholicism and 270 million by Islam. And we know that all of those people are with you today with the rewards. And Father, guide this message that goes out throughout the world that will enlighten people that they will learn and, and love you more and appreciate your word more than ever before because your word is the final revelation that we have of you and for you and by you. In Jesus' name.